Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. I'm Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Glad to be with you today. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join me. And I am going to take a short reprieve from uh, the, the 20 laws that govern the financial anointing to talk about something that I don't want to use the word triggered, but whatever a synonym would be for triggered me yesterday would be, and I don't mean it made me angry. That's why triggered's not a good word. Uh, there it is. Okay. So my Uncle Ted, who's a minister, he posted on Twitter a tribute to Rodney Howard Brown. It's a picture of, of him with, with Rodney Howard Brown. And he wrote, he is a true prophet of God and loved by me, arrested for having church, prophetically wrote about 2020 and was accused of conspiracy theories until it came to pass. A soul winner for the cause of Christ. May the Lord bless he and Adonica greatly. And then this lady named Ash, uh, says she lives in Pittsburgh. She wrote, he's a mega church. First of all, not to be the English police, but he's not a mega church. He's a human being. And then he he pastors uh, what Ash considers a mega church. He's a mega church, and like Olstein, O L S T E E N, which again, you're you're six words in, and you're at two two grammar mistakes, so you're not dealing with the de- deep end of the gene pool. I understand that. He's a mega church, and like Olstein, you know it's Osteen, and the Grams talking about Billy Graham and Franklin Graham, I guess you know real, real slimy people. And all the other mega millionaire pastors, he's there to receive us. I think she mean, again. I think she means receive from us. I don't know whether she drank, or she drinks, or her mom drank when she was pregnant. But there's definitely some alcohol and dead brain cells involved. No pastor should be worth millions, and I know a lot of dirt on these mega churches. Well, please feel free to divulge. So the one statement that I wanted to deal with is when she said no pastor should be worth millions, and I'm not a pastor. I won't be for a few more months anyway. Uh, I didn't want to deal, I don't want to deal with the fact that, that no pastor should be worth millions. I wanted to deal with the small-mindedness that shared by that lady by a lot of people, and I'm not saying this to be insulting, but it may even be shared by you without you knowing it. Like, I'll give you an example. When I was flying on a um, ministry trip to go preach in a, in a nation, people might call it a missions trip, but, you know, it's not really like missions anymore. You book an airplane ticket and you just go to a different country. It's not like you're sailing on a steamboat and arriving with tuberculosis and rickets. So... uh I had a business class ticket, I think. One of the other pastors had a business class ticket. And there were like eight ministers coming on the trip, which I didn't know. So the rest of them had coach tickets. And uh, while we were in line, which I didn't know, there, I didn't even know anybody else was coming on the trip. These other ministers 
said to, to the other pastor who I knew, I guess he knew them, oh, must be nice to fly in business class. How were you able to do that? And then they, they just made like snide jokes. Must be nice to be rich. So for them, you know, we're not talking about people who are 19. We're talking about 50-year-old men. That it's a big deal to have a big business class ticket. Now, it is a big deal to have a business class ticket in that I'm very, I was very thankful to have one. It feels good to lay down on a nine-hour flight. Um, I'm reminded of the story Lester Summerall told that changed his life. When he met, um, who was the pastor from Brooklyn, New York? Irish guy. I can see his face. He had the largest church, Brown, Robert A. Brown. Him and his wife, Marie Brown, had the largest church in America at the time. I think they had 8,000 people, 3,000 people, in a time when 200 people was a megachurch. And Robert Brown had to speak at a conference in California. So when back then, you know, there, there weren't flights. We're talking like 1920s. So he, he takes the, the Transcontinental Railroad from New York to California. I think it's, it took five days. Another, when he got off the train, another preacher that was speaking at the conference got off the train. He's all hunched over and wrinkled. And he goes, man, I can't wait to sleep. But we have service in a couple hours. He said, I'm exhausted from that train ride. He said, you must be exhausted too. And Robert Brown said, no, I got a suite in the berth. So you could have the regular chair where you just sit in a chair for five days or you could rent, rent a little room. Have, there's like a bath, a bed, you know, your own little private area. And uh, when he said, I rented a room in the berth, the other preacher said, you rented a room in the berth? How dare you spend the Lord's money like that? And Lester Summerall said, Robert Brown calmly replied, Oh, the Lord doesn't mind. He'd rather have me ready to preach than ready to sleep. Which is half good theology and half the fact that he's Irish. And when you're Irish, you know how to cut people down in like half a phrase. Because the guy just said, you know, they had to preach in a couple hours. I have to preach, but man, I wish I could just go to my hotel and sleep. So he already hung himself by his words. So Robert Brown said, I'm fresh as a daisy. I'm ready to do what God's called me to do. And you're the one that looks like you got dragged in. And you said out of your own mouth, you're not ready to preach. So it's two different mentalities. I think Robert Brown had 3,000 people. Where I got the 8,000 from is Lister Summerall said when he was young, getting ready to, to take his missionary tour with Howard Carter, Robert Brown took an offering for him and $8,000 came in. And he gave it to him. As a, young, as a young missionary, evangelist. So think of, think of that, $8,000 in the 19, what would it have been, 30s? So that would have been during the Depression? So there, there is, and that's what we've been dealing with. We've been dealing with the 20 laws that govern the financial anointing, which I'm not dealing with today. But I feel like this is a key, I don't know if I'll include this in the book or not, but I feel like this is a, a key understanding you have to have or none of the other things are going to work. So you see my title, Three Essentials to Become a Millionaire, or you could also title it, Three Essentials to Generate You know, because I don't this I don't mean 
personally a millionaire, though it includes that. Whatever your dream is, if it's going to be any kind of dream at all, it's going to require not a million dollars. It's going to require millions of dollars. And that's what, I know I insulted this lady that I was reading her tweet, um, but I wasn't like, oh, this, this, you know, I've heard people talk like that my whole life. So it didn't bother me. It astounded me to see that an adult person would make a statement that no pastor should be worth millions. Because let's take all the supernatural out of the money. What does it take to, to, to receive a million, to, to become a, a millionaire? I'm talking mathematically. I'm not talking confession. I'm not talking faith. Mathematically, what does it take to receive a million dollars or, or, or to start generating a million dollars? You know, you got to ask yourself that. Because any business... If the Lord's given you a business dream, if the Lord's given you a dream in the realm of art, if the Lord's given you a dream in the realm of entertainment, there's no dream that's going to even get off the ground without cresting a million dollars. Number one, a million dollars immediately becomes 700000 after the government gets done with it. To talk about a million dollars like it's 1840. And a million dollars, like, if you get a million dollars, man, you could, even when I was a kid in the 80s, a million dollars was still a kind of thing where, like, if you got a million dollars, you could quit your job and, ju and just retire. You might be able to do that now if you lived frugally and live off the interest. A million dollars, thanks to inflation and the insane people that run the Federal Reserve System, getting ready to approve a $34 trillion debt ceiling or whatever, it's, it, it, it's, not, it's not something you should look at as unattainable. It's not something that you should look at as difficult to attain. Hey, Sasha, good to have you from Slovakia. As long as you see something is unattainable, you're never going to have it. You know, it'd be, like, it'd be like if you were like an average-looking person, like me, with an average body, and then somebody shows you some chiseled male movie star with, with six-pack abs. You say, man, I could never. How does somebody even look like that? Well, if you think it's unattainable, you'll never look like that. If you got somebody in your life that told you, listen, if you give me 90 minutes of your time every day, I, I, I can have you look like that or close to that in about eight months. If you'll eat like I tell you and train like I tell you, and then it takes the mystery out of it. They start telling you what not to eat, what not to drink, what to eat, what to drink, how to exercise properly if you're looking to look like that. And then all of a sudden, something that seems completely unattainable, now you have a path to get there. It's the same, it's the same in the realm of money. If a million dollars is something you say and chuckle, you, you know, <laughs> if you were honest in the comments, how many of you by show of emoji hands, I'm the only minister you've ever heard even utter the word million? It would be, it would be a lot. 
Because if most people in church even say million, they laugh after. I pray the day would come where, where this church has a, <laughs> a million dollars in the bank. You know, the way they even say it, it's like, it's like you're talking about like a, a fictitious number. I pray the day would come where somebody would even give our church a, a million dollars. <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had an older pastor come up to me when I finished preaching one time when I was like 25, when I didn't even know the stuff I'm telling you right now. Not, not really. And I started preaching on faith, and when you preach on faith, you get stirred up as the preacher yourself. And I said... Um, I think I preached, in fact, why don't we take a look at it? I think it's Proverbs 13. If it's not Proverbs 13, it's Proverbs 18. Let me check 13 first. Yeah, it's Proverbs 13, 22. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the wicked passes to the godly. Now, the Bible, in the King James Version, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Notice how angry that lady, who I think considers herself a Christian, the tweet that I read, notice how angry she was that a pastor had millions of dollars. You know, you'd think if you were a Christian, if anything, you would, you would put something online about it irritates me that pornographers have millions of dollars. It irritates me that Jeffrey Epstein could, through human trafficking, have his own private island. And then all his rich friends that write our laws and appear on our news shows could fly on their own planes to go to his island to do God knows what. That irritates me. It bothers me that casinos make millions of dollars. But she didn't say that, did she? She said no pastor should ever have millions of dollars. Now, you have to be a special kind of stupid to think like that as a believer. All the things you could be upset about, and you're upset that a leader in your own faith is doing well financially. Did you know that there's nobody in these comments that could tell me an amount of money you inherited or earned that would unsettle me or make me upset or why does she have that? You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't have enough for me to be happy. The more you'd have, the happier I would be. He's like the Olsteins or the Grams. What did Joel Osteen ever do to him? Where is the anger towards Joel Osteen? Did he earn his money illegally? Then put him in jail. But he didn't. Why does Joel Osteen have millions of dollars? You know, I don't understand why somebody has an IQ so low that they can't understand why somebody that's written seven-plus New York Times best-selling books personally... What, where do you think, what do you think they're going to have for finances? 
I mean, you know, that'll show you an element of how strong the, 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 the prosperity of God is, is that a man that hasn't taken a salary from his church for 20 years is a multimillionaire because it just came through other streams. Billy and Franklin Graham, what did they ever do? What did they ever do for you to say that they shouldn't have millions? I don't understand how people think like that. Now, there's a guy on the street in Philadelphia asking if anybody has money for sandwiches right now. There's another guy in Philadelphia dri driving a Bentley. There's, there's two types of people. There is the stupid type of person that they train you to be in public school and public and university, which would be to look at the man in the Bentley and look at the man begging money for sandwiches and say, that's not fair. Or two, society is unjust. Or three, which would be the wise type of person. The, those two men have made very different choices in life. Now, if you want to live in a fantasy world and you think that that man that's begging the sandwiches didn't make any poor choices, but some type of tragedy may put him on the street, there's, a, there's an extremely small percentage chance that's true. And if you're going to sit those two guys in the room, you're going to find out that one guy decided to invest his money in real estate and the other one decided to invest his money in Vicodin and heroin. Different choices. So when you hear government people start to talk about how they want to they make things equal, how can you make two men equal? The same man isn't even equal to himself on different days. I'm a better Jonathan today than I was yesterday. Yesterday I, 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 was, I was just chilling. I had no thoughts in my head. It's stupid. It's stupid for a lady to say. I mean, it would be a waste of time. But if I, if I could sit that lady down at the table here, I would say explain your comment that no pastor should ever be a millionaire. Number one, a million dollars is not a lot of money. I want you to write that if you have notes, or you can write it in the comments or both. I want you, I want you to write, one million dollars is not a lot of money. I want you to write it down. I want you to say it. Because anything you think is unattainable, you'll never attain. Something that's big and unattainable has to become small to you. We had to do that with crusades. If you would have talked to me when I was 24 and talked about 9,000 people coming to a meeting in America to hear me preach, I'd have told you, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm sure the Lord could do that, but, you know, it would have to involve like angels bringing people to the meeting at sword point. But then you start learning how to do things. And what used to be unattainable becomes attainable. And I'm telling you, I know that sounds wild. Jonathan said a million dollars isn't a lot of money. A million dollars is not a lot of money.
you, you know, and I know, I know people disagree with me, but I'm right. Any economist would tell you I'm right. Not, not Christians or prosperity preachers. You know, that old game, anybody ever see that old game show, Deal or No Deal? Somebody was going to win $400,000. What are you going to do when you win the money? I'm going to buy a house for me, and I'm going to buy a, a, a boat for my parents, and I'm, uh, my kids are starting college. I'm going to put them through college. No, you're not. Your 400000 is going to very quickly be about 260000 after taxes. Maybe you could get a house, depending on what part of the country you're in. A lot of places that you could get half a house. A lot of places you could get a third of a house. So a million, what's your, if you're sending your kids to law school, what is it a year? 60 grand? That's a quarter million right there. I mean, what are you going to tell me that you want to do that doesn't require millions of dollars? Nothing. Nothing that's being, now you can, you can start on your dream for under a million, obviously. Everybody has to do that pretty much. But you're not going to have anything that's regional or national or worldwide for under a million dollars. Three essentials to become a millionaire. Number one, you have to come to the realization that a million dollars is not a lot of money and a million dollars is attainable. I see people are watching from South Africa. So what would it be for you? Well, I haven't looked at the exchange rate in a while. 15 million rand? 17 million rand? Somebody tell me what the exchange rate is to, to the U.S. dollar right now in, uh, in South Africa. Thank you, TD. Nice to see you. Yeah, so obviously, I think I ran off the unintelligent people a long time ago because I don't even see anybody, nobody's even disagreeing in the comments. People are backing, yeah, I just looked at a piece of land that was a million dollars. and Yeah. You're not going to touch. A, mil, a, a million is like an entry point. And I'm glad, I'm glad somehow the Lord taught me this because... Many of you have heard the story of when someone gave us a million dollars. I'm glad I didn't light up and start buy, buying luxury cars and a, whatever when that was given to our ministry. I realized that if I didn't sow a large portion of that, that million would run out and I'd be in bad shape. So I think we ended up giving like 480000 of it away. Okay. Well, good. The exchange rate has slightly improved. One dollar is 15 uh, rand, just over 15 rand. So you got to do that if you're in another country. Don't say, well, I'm in South Africa and here it is a lot. No, well, for, the, for you, it's 15 million. So just, just do the math like that. But it's the same. Write this down. Faith is universal currency that produces in every nation of the world. Wow. 540 to 1 in, in Nigeria. Man, they have, your leadership has crippled your economy. That's insane. The Naira used to be on par with the dollar, and they're like 4 to 1. 
That, that, that's wild. Faith is universal currency that works anywhere in the world. And I, you got to know that because a lot of international people just immediately write themselves off. Preachers in India think they need American preachers to bless them. You know, here, here the economy is very bad and our, our, our dollar is very weak. That's a mentality. Let me ask you a question. Are the richest, the, the, the wealthiest ministries in the world, are they in America? Are they in Europe? Or are they in West Africa? They're in West Africa. So obviously, the nation you're in and its economy has zero bearing on God's ability to bless you. 17 to 1 in Zambia. Faith is universal currency that works in any nation. Maybe we'll do four, four and that'll, that'll be num number one. Faith is universal currency. It'll work in China. It'll work in North Korea. It'll work in Iran. You can't see yourself as a disadvantaged person. So then I'll, I'll say that. Faith is universal currency. That's number one. Number two, understand that a million dollars is not a lot of money. Or you can write it like this. One million dollars is attainable for me. In fact, I'm going to have you write that, and I want you to say it. That would be a good confession. One million dollars is attainable to me. Sorry, attainable for me. One million dollars is attainable for me. And, and I'll talk more about that. It's attainable. Get a big thing and make it a small thing. That's why if you've watched that church announcement video, I just, you know, you kind of have to have a mocking attitude towards something that's purports itself to be a mountain. Say, when, by the time we finish getting this land in church, it's going to be $2 million. Couple of M's. Just look at it like a no big deal. Never, never let Goliath to be big in your eyes. Goliath was big in the Israelite soldiers' eyes, and they wouldn't fight him. To David, he was small. He was just another lion or bear that the Lord would deliver into his hand. Yeah, one million pounds. Sorry, Ms. Green. Whatever, whatever your, um, your currency is. Naira. Rand. What's, uh, what's India? How, how did I forget what India is? Feels good to say. Love seeing you guys too, Chopper and Gina. Great couple. One million dollars is attainable for me. It's not, it's not a lot of money. And then once you understand it, then you can start moving in, into bigger things. Because the day will come as the Lord expands your dream and what he's given you to do 
that a million dollars won't be a benchmark. It'll just be honest to God. If somebody sent a million dollar check into our ministry right now, I would be very thankful. But it wouldn't change one thing we're doing because right now our ministry requires a million dollars about every uh, 10 weeks to break even. So a million dollars would last me 10 weeks. So it's not something we'd go out and party. I started to make it become small in my mind, in my faith, and it became small. Don't treat it like a giant. Treat it as something that's attainable, like David did for Goliath. Rupee, that's right. I was thinking of uh, rubles in, in Russia. Number three. So I'm going to give you four. So it says three essentials to become a millionaire, but I'm going to give you four. Number three. Understand that a million dollars is a requirement to live the Christian life. That would be one of those statements somebody could take and freeze and be like, Jonathan teaches that you, you need a million dollars just to be a Christian. Uh, you do. I'll give you two scriptures and I could give you a lot more. Proverbs 13, 22. Good people, a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, if you're going to leave an inheritance to your children, you would need to come into millions of dollars. If you're going to leave an inheritance that when your children get done using it, there's still money for their grandchildren, there's still money for your grandchildren. You're talking about not a million. You're talking about Many millions of dollars. Well, I don't think that means, Jonathan, it doesn't say he leaves a, a money, money to them. It says an inheritance. It could be a spiritual inheritance. Yeah, that too. But if, if you're going to read the Bible in context, did Abraham only leave spiritual things to Isaac and Jacob? Or did Abraham, as a righteous man, leave wealth that Isaac and, and, and Jacob were still enjoying? Wells, land, cattle. Don't let that part of the Bible become blind to you where you don't see that stuff. Abraham left land and cattle to his, to his, to his son and his grandchildren. So how was he able to do that? By the blessing of the Lord. Do we have that same blessing? Or do we have a lesser blessing? The Bible says in Galatians 3, the same blessing that God promised Abraham belongs to you. My friend Akeem said, wrote, did the math and said how much money you need a year and wrote, wow. And let me ask you a question. When have you ever seen me look stressed out about it? When have you ever heard me mention it when I'm receiving the offering? Listen, guys, we need, you know, I'm under a lot of pressure right now. Never. Because there's a financial anointing. And th this is essential uh, to walk in that. Small things can't be big.
to you. And again, if, if we were doing this, this teaching in the early 1900s, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say a million dollars isn't a big deal. Because in 1910, a million dollars would be a very big deal. You could, you could have probably bought property in, in the financial district in Manhattan for, a million, for less than a million dollars. I'm guessing. But now? Not now. Probably not an apartment. So I'm not saying it like some kind of rich jackass that a million dollars is no big deal. I'm, uh, I'm saying it because it's realistic. Because of inflation. Because... Not because a million dollars isn't a lot of money as much as how central banks have devalued money. Something that happened to me in my life just flashed up before me, and I'm going to share it with you because it's something the Lord used to help me one time. There was a guy I knew in a foreign country, a third world country. I met, him, I met him when I was doing ministry in a third world country. He messaged me. He was a businessman, and he was going to kill himself because he was in debt, and he couldn't pay the debt, and it was crushing him, and he was not joking around. So I said, how much do you owe? And he told me, well, in his currency, it was a lot. But in American currency, it was about $7,000. So I asked him the address to his nearest Western Union, and I wired him the $7,000. This was a long time ago. This was probably like 2011. Because I, I didn't want the guy... You know, he had come out of a religion that believed in reincarnation, and it's common for those people to kill themselves because you just, you're going to just come back anyway. So I wired him the 7,000, Senate Western Union. He profusely thanked me. And when we got off the phone, I just laughed to myself and thought, that is insane that somebody was going to kill themselves over $7,000. I can't believe somebody would worry about such a small amount of money. And when I thought that, I felt the Lord speak to me in my spirit. And that's exactly how I feel when you worry about any kind of money. Because I was thinking, man, for him that's a lot, but for me that's not a lot. Certainly not worth your life. And God said, and I'm in heaven, and any amount of money that you require that pertains to life and godliness, when you get worried, I think, I can't believe this guy's killing himself over $1 million. I have that under the cushions of my couch up here in heaven. I pave the streets with gold. I have priceless stones as decorations. So you have to think about money like God thinks about money. Number three, four essentials to become a millionaire. Number three, one million plus is required to be a Bible Christian. Number one, 
a righteous man leaves an inheritance, and if you're going to take it scripturally, like, your, like Abraham, David, on down the line. Then it means a financial inheritance. It's insane that any person when they turn 20 or 21 has to, has to go, go look for an apartment or whatever. You know, the generations before you were delinquent in their Bible responsibilities. Orthodox Jews don't do that. Hasidic Jews don't do that. They gift their, their, fam, their, their family property. And usually a gift to make money. Now, obviously, you can't make a, a generalized statement. There's poor people in, in every uh, ethnicity, but very few among, among Orthodox and Hasidic Jews because they, they, they do what the Bible says. They shoot for the correct target. That my life's not only supposed to be just for me and my wife to enjoy life, I'm supposed to, be, to begin to create and lay up for my children's children. Camila's children should be impacted by my overflowing cup. I'm going to give you another scripture. Turn to Matthew 25. Number three, one million plus is required to live the Christian life. That statement will give an immediate aneurysm to about 90% of Christian leaders, but that's not my problem. Matthew 25, 34. Then Jesus will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by the Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away from you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they replied, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick and in prison and not help you? And he'll answer, I'll tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. I take that literally. That was my entire motivation for preaching in prison. I don't feel any calling to preach in prison. I didn't feel any burden to preach to people in prison. But if Jesus said that there's going to be a group of people that he says, I was in prison and you never visited me, then I wanted to make sure to check that off the list. 
So if you're going to take the Bible literally, which you should, the Christian is required not just to feed their family, but to feed people who are hungry that don't have food. Clothe people who don't have clothes. Give people something to drink that don't have anything to drink. How much money would you say that that requires? It requires quite a bit of money just to take care of your own family, does it not? So if you're going to start having an overflow where you start taking care of other people's children, how much would... Now, so ju just add in that scripture with a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and you're probably already into the 10 to $15 million range. True or false? Millions are required to live the true Christian life. Let alone your dream. My friend Kayla and her husband Doug are on here. Two children. Own a, own a business. The Lord's been blessing them. I'm sure if they would have heard this seven years ago, they'd have like, I don't know about that. But now they're there already as, as a young couple between the business and personally, they're dealing with that kind of money where they need that. They require, not need it, require it personally and, and in business. It's required. It's required to live the Christian life. Please pray. I'm not praying. I'm teaching. It's required. If you see it as a requirement, it won't be like something you chuckle about. I pray one day we have a million dollars. First of all, it won't even be that, that big a deal if you had it. What would you do? You can't build a church for a million dollars. Unless you're in... I don't know. You'd have to be in some pretty low, low real estate area. Somebody in the comments said, please pray for career and financial breakthrough. If you would listen, you wouldn't need prayer. Jesus, what did Jesus say? The blind see, the deaf hear, the cripple walk, the lepers are cleansed. The poor are given money. The poor are being prayed for. No, the poor are having the gospel preached to them. The cure for poverty, the thing that produces career and financial breakthrough, is the word. Understood and applied to your life. But everybody would rather just have prayer. Pray for me. You've had a lot of people pray for you. Where are you? Where are you? The word works. The man who builds his life and his teaching on my word is like a wise man that builds his house on a rock. The winds blow and the waves crash, but the house is still standing firm. 
building your life on the principles of God's word. is what brings true and lasting change to your economic reality. Thanks, Kayla. So, if you were sick, I'd pray for you, you know. Oh, not now, because I'm, te I'm teaching on something else. I never understood people hop in the comments. I need prayer for my knee. Yeah, I'm teaching on money right now. I've never really been injured, but I've hurt things before playing sports. I can't imagine ever sitting in church with a banged up elbow from playing ice hockey. And the guy would be preach, teaching out of the word and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you wrap it up? I got an elbow here that's all swollen up. You know, there is a higher plane. There are things that matter more than elbows and knees. God will do both things. I'm just saying. People just have, not you. I don't know why I'm scolding you. You guys are great people. But in general, people have zero value for the Bible. And I'm talking Christians. Zero value for the Bible. I need prayer. No, you don't. You might have needed prayer if you've been saved two weeks or four weeks. If you still got the same problem that needs prayer, you need the word. And Jesus had compassion on them and prayed for them a long time. No, Jesus had compassion on them and taught them many things. Even in, even in the realm of healing, when you pray for somebody to be healed, all of the healing evangelists started producing books several years in, into their healing crusades called How to Keep My Healing. They had different titles, but basically all of the great healing evangelists had a book that the title was basically How to Keep Your Healing, How to Keep What God Gave You. Why? Because they'd come back to the city three years later, and the people they had prayed for that got miracles, many of them needed miracles and healings again. Because if you don't have the word, and you just live off the faith of someone else's prayer, or the power of somebody else's anointing, then when that person leaves, the original thing will come back. You don't, ha you don't have your own strength over it. Knowing the word causes you to prevail. I don't know, Daniel. That's a good question, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why people reject the prosperity message. It doesn't make sense to me. And then reject it and preach against prosperity and make snide comments about prosperity and then literally at the close of that service say, now listen, as many of you know, we have a great need one of our roof panels blew off in the storm, and we need, we need people to give. There's a guy that has an anti-prosperity blog that tweeted, um, I, I'm asking you if you would to give because I can't keep this blog going and work a job. So if, if some of you could give, that would help. Well, how are people able to give to your blog? 
just by you requesting that shows that you believe there's people who not only have enough for them, they have more than enough so that they can help you do the thing that you feel you're called to do. I'm telling you, I, I don't, un, I, you feel like you're taking crazy pills sometimes. You wonder if people even listen to, to the words that come out of their own mouth. I don't believe people should have more than enough. I believe people should have just enough. Now, if you enjoy me saying that, please send me extra money that you have so that I can keep saying it. Okay, where are they getting the extra money from? thought we're all just to have just enough. Why are you asking for money when you think we're to be poor? I don't understand. I was preaching in Alaska, and this couple uh, told me that they latched onto my, my message. The Lord was changing them. And they said, there's a couple that lives in our home because they lost their house. They, they won't come hear you preach, and they argue with us about the stuff we say that we heard you preach because they don't believe in prosperity. How can you be so brain dead that you can't understand that the couple that believes in prosperity has extra room in their home so you and your family that lost their home can live in? That, that, the dots never connect there? It's not the anti-prosperity person letting the prosperity people live in their home. <laughs> Whose doctrine's working? It's like I was giving a guy a ride to the airport coming out of Hana, Maui, when we were starting the church back there. Two newly saved, one guy was a Christian, the other guy just got saved in the meetings. So the, the, other, the Christian guy asked if he could have a ride too, so I'm giving them both a ride. And the guy that's been saved two days is asking me questions about the Bible. And when we get into the money part, I start telling him about money from the Bible. And the guy uh, next to me that's a Christian goes, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that people should have to work. The Lord told me just to spend time with him in, in, the, in the forest and pray. So I, I, I believe sometimes people are supposed to do that. I said, well, good thing I don't believe like you too or we'd all need a ride. People who don't believe in prosperity always have to lean on someone who does. I don't know how they, how they can't put that together in their head. Go, go preach against prosperity, and then at the end of your 30-minute program, in order to stay on the air, we really need your generous gifts. Where are they getting the extra money from, stupid? The devil or God? Dummy. <laughs> it's, it's true, Lindsay. It's required. Number four, develop a written, actionable plan. No, not pet plan. Do path to a million. Develop a written, actionable path to a million dollars. When that lady wrote on that tweet, when that lady wrote on that tweet 
I don't think any pastor should have a million dollars. Let me ask you a question, and I want, don't zone out on this. I want you to hear this. How does she not understand? Okay, let's take all the supernatural stuff out. All sowing and reaping out. Let's just, let's just do some math. If a pastor makes $60,000 a year and his wife makes $40,000 a year, let's say it's not even at the church. She works another job. He gets paid $60,000. And he saves 10% of that every year. His wife saves her 10%. So that's $10,000 a year they save. And they put it in an account that generates 7% interest a year. Keep it in that account. Roth IRA, whatever. Would they not become a millionaire by the time they're 60 or so, if not before that? I, I'm not, I don't, I, the compound interest thing I'm not good at. But if somebody knows how to do it, I know Lin, Lindsay Ekstrom's on. I feel like she could do it. I feel like she's smarter than me. And I'm sure other people on here are too. But tell me that. If somebody, when they were 25, started saving, let's just do this. If you put $10,000 in an account that yields 7% interest and don't touch the money, how long would it take for that account to yield a million dollars? I'd actually like to know that. About 20 years, Autumn said, and she looks like a smart lady. That's it? That's quicker than I thought. I said 7%. How long would it take to, to get to a million? Is Autumn right at 20? 7%. 20 years. Everybody's saying 20, 20, 20 years? James said no. I don't know what, what, what he's saying no about that. 40 years. Okay. So they start at 25. No miracles. No inheritance. No supernatural seed. Because remember, you know, if you, if you do 10% tithing, and 10% saving that now, but I'm taking all that out for the people that don't believe there's a, that the tithe is just like some kind of Jedi mind trick to get Christians to fork over 10% of their income. Yeah, everybody's putting 40 years. Doug, Doug Johnson said it would be 2.14 million in 40 years. Okay, so when you say that no pastor should have a million dollars, a 25-year-old pastor not making a quarter million a year, or a hundred thousand a year, and he never gets a raise. Sixty thousand, and his wife making forty thousand, and they both save ten percent of their money and average seven percent in investments, which is doable. They would be millionaires at sixty-five. So that is why it really irritates me to say nobody should have a million dollars. If you did 
small financial, small scale, proper financial management, it would be impossible to not become a millionaire. Do you see that? That's why if that dumb lady that tweeted that, no pastor should be a millionaire, I would like to sit her down and say, so if someone saves 10% of an average salary, husband and wife, and invests at 7%, explain why, why, why should someone not become a millionaire? It's not, a, you're not, I'm talking million with an M. Now, somebody wants to say a billion dollars is a lot of money, I agree. If somebody wanted to say, I don't think I can become a billionaire, I, I, I understand why you feel it that way. And I'll tell you, I'm glad no one's done it today. But one thing that really irritates me among like 91 other things that I've mentioned today is when you start teaching about millions and there's always some charismatic Christian that goes, I'm believing for billions. Well, congratulations. But right now you got about 300 bucks. So let's start small. I'm believing for trillions. Okay. Congratulations. But before you get to a billion and before you get to a trillion, you have to cross a million. So let's talk about that. Find me some John Avanzini books online, and I, I want to make those available today. Because he's kind of like in the vein that, that I'm, talk, I'm talking today. There, there was a guy, he lost his church and he's out of the ministry. But he had a decent sized church. And I attended it for a while. And he would go. At offering time they'd go. Because Brother Shambach would say, and you, when he'd say, tell people how to fill out a check to his ministry, he'd, he'd say, and you spell thousand, T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D, which I've stolen. And everyone chuckles. You know? But it at least gets people thinking in a bigger direction. With this church, they, you know, they'd heard Brother Shambach say that, so they, they, they have greater faith. So they went, if you're making out a check to our church, make it out to, and they would say the name of the church, and you spell billions, B-I-L-L-I-O-N-S. Well, first of all, you would never write billions on a check. I'm giving you four billions dollars. It would be billion. And then secondly, if you have a billion dollars in your checking account, you're a kind of a moron. So it's just, I, I hate that, like, it's like you, you just have the two ends of Christianity. You have the, no one can ever have a million, and then you have the, I'm believing to take over nations. Yeah, meanwhile, vacuum your house. <laughs> I'm believing that the Lord, God didn't just say to make, some people are going soul winning, but God didn't say make disciples. He said make disciples of nations. I'm going to take nations, bro. No, I don't think you are, to be honest. I've met you. I've been around you. You would do well to pay your car insurance. And I mean it. I'm not just trying to be like joking around or sarcastic. 
because I, I, I hate I hate anti-prosperity and I hate pie-in-the-sky prosperity. Guys, we'll build mansions. Yeah, you might. But in the meantime, you're, you're two rent payments behind. So, like, let's talk practical things. And that's what I'm closing with. Have an actionable... Uh, what, did I, what did I write? How did I write it? Develop a written, actionable path to a million. Okay, that's what I'm going to close with. So I told you an actionable written path to a million a long time from now, 40 years. But, by the way, let's do this. Okay, so, so in, the, in the thing that I gave you, and I'll be done soon, in the thing that I gave you, help me out on this, Doug or whoever else is doing the math. Because I know compound interest goes like, nice to see you in Lincoln, Nebraska. I had a great time with you there. That was awesome in Nebraska. Because um, I know compound interest, it's the next doublings that matter. So the, the, the example we gave was a 25-year-old pastor and his wife that start saving 10,000 uh, a year at 7% interest. So in 40 years, when they hit 65, it, it has hit two point something million dollars. What does it hit in the next 20 years? Somebody tell me that. What does it hit in the next? In the next 20. It, it would go from, thanks, Stephanie. Goes from 2.14 to what? So when those people were 85, we saw what it would do in, in um, 40 years. What would it do in 60 years? Seven percent investment account. Seven percent. Ten thousand a month. Sorry, ten thousand a year. See, Doug did it. So when they were 85, it would now be 8.7 million. Now, I just showed you with no miracles. It, Autumn said 5 to 8 million. 8.6, 8. another person. Okay, so let's say 8.6. I just showed you so I would love to talk. Like, if you sat me down next to an anti-prosperity preacher right now, and I told them that math, explain to me why a Christian shouldn't have millions of dollars. I just told you how someone on an average salary, not saving an insane amount of money, could die with $8.6 million in their account. That's not a small amount of money. Now, let's do this while we're at it. Give me another 20 years. So now they die, and they leave that in an account for their grandchildren that their grandchildren can't touch for another 20 years. And they've trained their children enough that their children don't need the money. They've, they've already, they're already doing good. 
So they're doing what the Bible says. They leave that for their children's children in a trust, and it still is going. Ten, only 10000 a year being paid back in. In another 20 years at 7% interest. So when the grandchildren turn like 40, they would have how much? $34 million in another 20 years. You don't have to start Walmart to, to change your family. And I, th I think between, I could be wrong, it might be a little more, but if you were doing 10000 a year with the wife and the husband, I think that would still be under the Roth IRA limit. If it, if it wasn't, it would be just over. So when you pulled it out, it would be tax-free. See, that now it's starting to accumulate. And then if you did another 20 years, I won't even, you, might, you, might, you might go over like $100 uh, million or close. That, that's, in, that's just one righteous man starting at a $60,000 a year job, the wife at a $40,000 a year job. And now your grandchildren have a street named after them and a house that's on its own property. Thanks, Arturo. Oh, you can do 13000 combined in a Roth, Autumn said. Autumn, stay in touch. You seem like a very... Wow, 100 years, it's $136 million. See? And that's why, that's why I made this number four. And that actually, like bashing that lady and everything, that wasn't why I came on today. I just enjoyed doing that. I came on because I wanted to get you thinking differently. Now, for me, I'll tell you, and then, and then I'll leave you alone. I... um. I had a revelation one time, not from the word, but when I first started in evangelism, my goal was to book a full schedule. Listen, listen to this before, before we part company. Yeah, T Timothy, I know you don't, he said, uh, I don't want to be that guy, but the real miracle you need is for the market not to crash in 10 years when you hit 500,000. Well, there's going to be market corrections and stuff. I dealt with this on the financial laws. You have, to, you have to not be a Christian. Like I've got a friend that's watching me right now. His father has been waiting for the dollar to crash forever, and it limited him in life. He did very well, but his son has outperformed him in just a handful of years because the son's positive. Now, let's say the market's going to crash. Are there things you can invest in? where you're betting against the market, where if the market crashes, your investments would skyrocket? Yes, there is. You can invest in something right now that for every point the Dow Jones drops, you, you, you make uh, 3x, an inversion account. So if you think that's going to happen, invest accordingly. That is one thing I would love to have explained to me because um, when people say the market's going to crash, how could it crash totally? Because if you're in inversion accounts betting against the market, which some people are, 
then, then some people would be made multimillionaires overnight. Anyway, so check this story out and I'll leave you alone and, and, the, and the whole thing will be complete for today. But, but it's not complete without this. So I didn't have any, anywhere to preach. One place, two place. So my goal is to have a full schedule. Well, as I'm approaching getting a full schedule, after like two years of praying and believing God and preaching, my father said something, and I think he just said it like offhand, and it kind of messed me up. He went, think of this. If you preach 50 Sundays a year, and you average having $1,000 come in every Sunday, the most you could ever make a year is $50,000. And I thought, oh... So my goal of having a full schedule will never bring me in to a supply that enables me to reach the world. So I'm shooting for the wrong thing. It could never happen the way I'm doing it. Well then, so how, how could it happen? Well, you start looking at the Bible. Luke chapter 8, 1 to 3. Jesus had women who traveled with him that the Bible says regularly supported from their own resources for Jesus to, 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 to travel and preach the gospel. Elisha had the same thing with the Shunammite woman. Paul had the same thing with the Philippian church. That's where you get the Bible um, concept of ministry partnership. At the time, I had two partners, two families that partnered with me. So what I did was, I thought, well, I would probably require a minimum of a million dollars in revenue a year to do the things that I'd like to do in the ministry. Be on television, do crusades. So this is what I'm talking about when I say a written, actionable path to a million. I have two partners right now who believe in my ministry and give every month. How many would I need to, to reach where a million a year is coming in. Well, what's a million divided by 12? 8,400. So I would need 1,000 partners averaging giving $84 a month, and that would produce $1 million of revenue, which would give me the start of being able to do what, what, I'd, what I feel God calling me to do. I had two partners at the time. It seemed completely unattainable. But you know what I did? I don't know if we still have it or not. One of, I think the first magazine we ever made, it said Revival Today, Air Force. I called it Air Force because you were going to help me go on television. We were buying affiliate time on Fox and ABC. And I said, if you'd like to be a part of Revival Today, Air Force, I'm believing God for 1,000 people that will give it $84 a month to make that possible. Took about five years of putting, of putting that vision out there. And I think today we're over 2,000. Which really, you know, that, that partnership concept it is a game changer because it makes it where you never go to a church to preach needing a certain amount to come in. And you can accept invitations anywhere because you don't need that meeting to pay for your multi-million dollar ministry. 
So, and it all started with instead of going, <laughs> million dollars, that'd be nice. What is the path for that to come in as revenue? So now if you're not a preacher, let's say you make, let's say you're a truck driver and you make $67,000 a year. Well, that, you can do the 10% thing and in the future that, that's, that's going to produce that for you. But what, what could you do like in what you do on the side or the business you're starting or you want to sell books, you should write that down. What's your goal of how many books you want to sell? I want to sell 10,000. All right, how are you going to do that? You're not going to do it by walking up to people in your church lobby asking them if they've seen that you wrote a book and you're not going to post it. You're not going to do it by posting on your Facebook page that you just wrote a book and it got 13 likes and one comment. If all 13 people who liked it bought it, you're going to have 13 sales. So you have to start thinking for what I'm charging for this book and the amount that I want it to produce financially, how many sales would I have to make? And then you need to start getting ideas as to what would generate that amount of sales. Instead of just putting it up on Instagram once and hoping, I don't know what people hope. And when you start using your brain that way, the Lord will get behind you and give you ideas and help. But you'll never reach a target that you think is unattainable. You have to see that it's attainable and then begin to use your brain to develop a path to that place. Pareto's principle. Tell me about that, Marley. Because it sounds like I feel like I invented something and some guy named Pareto actually did. Let me see what Pareto's principle is. Oh, no. That's the 80-20 rule. I like how, how you wrote that, Lee. Lee wrote, winning souls for God is priceless. Money is the tool or mechanism used to do the main goal of the Great Commission and further the reach of, of God's kingdom. And that's exactly right. You know, when you, um, when you understand that, instead of, you know, I don't care about money, I care about souls. Well, let me ask you a question. Who do you think can reach more souls? The person with $7 million at their disposal or the person with $70 at their disposal? If the person with $7 million has one-tenth of the anointing as the person with $70, they could reach 100,000 times more souls. In a few weeks, when we go on Daystar Television and preach for one hour, it costs a lot of money, but not as much money as to travel and preach to that volume of people in that many different places. Thanks, John. Show of emoji hand if today helped you at all. So if you're the truck driver making 67000 a year, start a side project. Start a sixth-day project. You work five days a week, 
one day belongs to the Lord. That sixth day, get something off the ground that you control. See what happens. Give God a vessel for him to pour oil into. How many, now, here's an interesting thing about a message like this. You have the exact same amount of money in the bank as you did an hour and a half ago when this started. And now, show of emoji hands if you feel like you're a multimillionaire already. Because now you know. Now you know how to do it. And then it gets exciting. Now you start dreaming. And I'm telling you, you can do it. You don't have to be slimy or, 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 or hustle. It's, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a plan. Stay with the plan. Don't get discouraged. Don't get sidetracked. Don't, don't, don't quit something and start something else. How many people do you know that are in business and they start making good money and all of a sudden they want to be an associate pastor? I really feel called. Um, to be to be a minister, I don't no, I don't think you do. I think you got bored, and I think you got deceived. And at the time when you really could have gone into like tens of millions in your business, you got bored and shut it down so you could preach a couple Bible studies, which you could have done with your business going. It's a mistake. Pick something, lay out a path, and stay on the path. It's amazing how much you can do in life just being consistent. Not getting enamored by a new, a new thing all the time. Mark out your path and stay straight. I look forward to here in your testimonies. I promise you, however you feel about yourself negatively, you couldn't have started smaller than me. Adolis and I had an iPhone 1 as our ministry computer. We had one that we shared. We did our accounting on here. We did our newsletters on here. We couldn't afford a laptop. My nephew's producing the program. He knew me when I was back then, when I first started dating his, his, uh, his aunt. I had, I had a car that I couldn't afford to register because it needed fixed and I couldn't afford to get it fixed. Don't worry about where you're at now. Lift up your eyes to a destination and start heading there. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Good. I'll take you up on that, uh, Mike. All right, let's see those John Avanzini books. I'm, I'm interested to see which ones they found for you.
always abounding, the way to prosper in good times, bad times, anytime, and powerful principles of increase released in you by a great, great man of God named Dr. John Avanzini, who has a powerful revelation on money. I've never made these books available before. I'm going to send both of them to you as a way of saying thank you for giving to the work of the Lord today. And all, all I want you to do is target your seed for increase. You know what? Write it on your seed. Wherever the memo is, if you're putting it on a check, you can put it in the memo. If there's a memo place like on Cash App or on our website when you fill it out in the comment on Facebook, put million dollar seed. Not that you're giving a million dollar seed, but this is my seed that I'm giving from my heart as an expression of my faith to take me into the million dollar realm. Amen, Sasha. For whatever reason, I like that you're watching from Slovakia. I had a friend from Slovakia in Bible college. It's just, it's cool to me that somebody's watching me from Eastern Europe and I'm sitting here. Million dollar seed. And then I'll send you these books. You're not buying two books. I'm going to send you the two books to say thank you. We're making those moves on television. And so if you want to sow at the $10,000 level or higher from a business, uh, it's not like we want to know what to do with it. And you're going to stand with us to see the gospel hit the whole world in one night other than China and a, and a few other places. Thanks, Ben. That's right, Allie. I, and I, I, I join my faith with you. As you sow right now, I want to believe with you that it's going to provoke a million-dollar harvest. I'll give you a second to sow, then I'll pray a blessing on you, and I'll leave you alone till check the news tonight. Hashtag donate on Facebook. So you just do that in the comments like Allie did. You can text RT to 50155. Cash app is dollar sign RT give. Venmo is at RT give. PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. Oh, that's great, Autumn. That makes me happy. I, I, didn't, I didn't know you were, uh, that's where we connected. Bless you, Jita. Bless you, Anna. A lot of givers today. <laughs> Met Jonathan during the gnome days. PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. You can always just go to our website, revivaltoday.com, and click give now. That has all, that's the easiest way to give, in my opinion revivaltoday.com and click give now. You can scan that QR code if you'd like to give cryptocurrency. So I'll leave it up for about five seconds so you can get your camera phone up and do it. Thanks, Ms. Newman. No amount needed to get the books. I'm going to send it to anybody that, that gives today.
<laughs> good, good pink. Thank you, O'Manil. Thank you, uh, Lyric. Nice spending time with you all today. I enjoyed it. If you want to mail it, revival, make it out to Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. And you spell billions. How, when you give, go to revivaltoday.com and click Claim My Offer, and that makes sure we have your name and address to send you the books. That way you're not disgruntled. Because not all the ways, like if you give cryptocurrency, we don't get your name and address. If you want to talk to a human being, you're very confused right now and you need someone to help you, 412-446-2332. 412-446-2332. Well, God bless you, Sarah. God bless you, Ben. What, what nice people on there. That's correct, Rose. Anyone who donates receives both books. I mean, don't I, don't I normally do I Sometimes I put an ounce on it, but norm, normally we just... I just trust you. For every one person that rips you off, there's like a hundred people that are super generous. So it's no big deal. Wow. Jay said, I sowed a seed to your ministry for the first time in May from a service you ministered at in Georgia. And by August, my husband received a 30% raise. God bless you. It's good to give. God will get your attention when you sow. Let you know you're on the right track. That's for sure. Thanks, Augustine. You know I love you. B. Lynn. Mike, love you. Love you all so much. Look forward to seeing you on Check the News. Let me, let me uh, join my faith with you. Father, as your people have sowed in faith today, I join my faith with them for them to see a great harvest in every area of their life, including finances. I pray you would take them as they keep you first. I pray you would take them to that level that they never thought they'd see. Use them to change their whole family and the generations after them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all very much. Now, don't be sorry, Red. See you on Check the News. I, I'm glad you prayed with me last night on Check the News. Do it again tonight. 10 o'clock New York City time. See you live. Until then, have the best day you've ever had. Love you. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.